0: Hello? Oh, oh, that's right, there's no one here that can talk back because I'm on the radio, good. I'm here to talk to you about Dr. Wheaties. Oh, it helped me with my my issues, with my, oh. I can't talk about that on the radio. Dr. Wheaties Hemp Ale in a can, please find me. Oh. Rocky Ridge Brewing Company. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Beer Sucks Radio, I'm one of four guys on the show today, I'm Tim, to my left we've got
2: Brendan, hey guys, how you going? It's a
0: little bit awkward, to my left (laughs) is a whole bunch of vocal fry, this is Adam, how you going? You sound shit. I sound amazing.
1: Oh, that's debatable. (laughs) I think everyone out there will be like, who's that gravelly son of a bitch?
0: (laughs) Why is this guy just rocked straight out of bed? Yeah. Mm. And to my left, we have Costa from Lars Wren. How you going, mate?
3: I'm good, mate. Nice to be here. What a great setup. You guys have the most professional equipment I've ever spoken into.
0: Wow. That's incredible, considering we are set up on my kitchen table. Yep.
3: Yeah, that's a beautiful table. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, thank you
0: very much. And what a table.
3: Danish designed? Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, and we've also got a bottle of Oud
2: Goose on the table at 8.30 in the morning, and you're still calling us professional, which is pretty uh, sick.
0: <laughs> Can we, yeah. <laughs> we'll scrub that from the oh, report yeah. afterwards. <laughs> Coming
1: from like three of the most amateurish blokes you could meet, that's a massive compliment. Thanks, because mm. we didn't think this out at all.
3: No, no, this, this as, is, as this we is said, fantastic. this, yeah, this, this came fantastic. from
0: a phone call in a car. Like, we should probably do a podcast. Yeah, and we have a podcast
2: now. Yeah, it happened within a week, which was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> amazing guys,
3: amazing. Well, anyway, you're here to wrap up your WA Beer Week trip yes and what a what a week it's been intense i've loved it um wa has always been really good to us from day one in fact i recall uh, when we first uh launched luster La in 2010 and i think uh it was celebrations carlisle it was i think it was joel actually that yep. tracked us down as he does because he's the he's the hawk of the group the, mm. by the looks of it <laughs> and uh he took literally half of our first batch wow so half of our first batch went to wa Holy and we, and we just went what what the yeah okay um so we always knew wa had a strong beer culture and more importantly it had a a very mature beer culture which is something that we very much uh, uh resonate with that's awesome i always knew joel was a, a bit of a hawk trying to find new beers oh mate it's an understatement yeah <laughs> the guy <laughs> is just on point yeah. um far out so i spent uh, some time with him the other night and some of the people he, he you know, that are on his radar I've never even heard of. Yeah, yeah. Um so the guy's just built for what he's doing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Perfect, you know. Yeah. He's also possibly got the best seller at his house that exists in australia i think jesus that that is something of just pure beauty yeah yeah uh, are, you, are you gonna post his address at some point or I,
2: we probably shouldn't go yeah. that far <laughs> 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 i drive past his house every day
1: and i always look for the opportunity to uh to see when no car is going to be there costa
2: do you want to tell, yeah. us, tell us about some of the uh beer week events you've done
3: yeah look definitely um i flew in on uh tuesday morning and uh literally as soon as i stepped off the plane um our distributor here took us straight to uh to see Leskia at uh, Celebrations Carlisle, which is great. I've never actually been to the store before. Oh that's awesome. That's um, romantic. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Romantic. It was. You know, it was the first store that, that took us on. Yeah, I've never even seen it. And uh the distributor drove us to the store and I went, Oh, this is it. And then he's like, Yeah, the channel So that's the the official Celebrations Carlisle. You uh, know, the you know, the shop that we've always spoken about. So yeah, it was one of those moments. I was still a bit, you know, um frazzled from the flight but uh, it was great we'll 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 popping some some beer at eight eight no ten thirty in the morning and Mm. it was great fun loved it um so we started there and then we went to see some of the great bottle shops and uh and bars around around perth and and frio um the first night we ended up at dtc for a beer and cheese event which was just uh it it was amazing it was great it was such a such a great turnout and it always is in wa because the sheer number of enthusiasts here and the seriousness of enthusiasm uh, for the industry is just phenomenal mm. It's stuff that I guess I think we sort of perhaps don't have in the East Coast as much. Perhaps we're a lot more spread out across the states there, but over here in the West, you guys have a, um, a large concentration of beer enthusiasts and uh, it's great to have them all in one room. It's a real buzz. Were there it's many so awesome. neck beards Well no neck beards uh, plenty of beards. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of beards.
0: Um, it's coming from three people sitting at a table with some horrific facial really hair. Really bad facial <laughs> hair. Oh, yeah,
3: facial hair is just rife in this industry. Uh, yeah.
2: I uh, think that, that's awesome to hear, though. We kind of put Melbourne on a pedestal at times, I think. Yeah. Right. Um, I think due to the population
0: density, they can pull off some stuff that we can't. Yeah. Plus mm. the ability to just back things up. So Beer, okay. week, beer week this year okay. in, in Melbourne was just every, every night of the week was pumping everywhere. Whereas, you know, I think over here we have a little bit of an issue with uh, going out in a school night. So, mm-hmm.
1: well, yeah, because, you know, Melbourne, you can pretty much get around anywhere. anywhere. And then you go to Perth yeah. and you're like, cool, that's going to be $35 to D- go down the road. That'd yeah. be great.
3: Yeah, uh, right. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Uber's
1: a blessing for us over here. Oh, yeah. For the time being.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, but, but look, it's great. I mean, DTC on Tuesday night. Great turnout, great environment, great cheeses, amazing cheeses. Um, oh. Did you
1: choose the cheeses? Who, who no, chose the cheeses? It,
3: it was definitely Joel. Um, mm, wow. But uh, yeah, um, the cheese the cheese was amazing. Uh, the beers were good. The company was great. It just flowed, and so that was amazing. Wednesday night we did an event at uh, Petition. Yep. Um, beautiful sit down dinner. Uh, Josh. Uh, Josh is an absolute. Uh, a maniac just, you can yeah, say it. Yep. absolutely and and, <laughs> and and his attention to detail with these events is just yep. paramount you know he just makes them really seamless and so had a great dinner amazing food um you know great environment uh, so that was great and then last night at baby mammoth we had a bit of a soiree that again with some uh um, well off the charts food ryan and tanya are, are built for this industry. Yeah. And, you know, I think Ryan is sort of almost a, um, you know, he's sort of spearheading the beer and food movement over here in Mm -hmm. the West. You know, he he really takes it on board as something that he loves to do and loves to do it wholeheartedly. Um, So I think for me, he's he's a guy to watch or to go to for a beer and food um, podcast perhaps in the future. Absolutely. And I've been...
2: I've been a little bit critical of the beer dego thing being the standard event in the past, yeah. But um, spea- especially during beer week. Mm, you know, there's mm. there can be too many and not not enough people mm. doing different things. But However, I'm doing one with... Yeah, you've got to pick the correct one, so I'm yeah. doing one with them on Saturday. Fantastic. As soon as they said it, I'm like, yeah, 100%, because you just know they're going to kill it.
3: Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And put their spin on it, which is... Of course is, they do. Yeah. And, and, and the creativity that Ryan brings to it, and more importantly... He he tends to drill down a lot with the food and not just mm. it's not a, it's not as simple as a complementary or contrasting pairing. Yep. He'll drill down further and, and, and he'll he'll layer the food with the with the lays and the beer. Yep. And yeah. And I d I don't know anyone who's doing that, even on the East Coast. So it's,
0: it was absolutely wild. Oh like he turned fantastic. he turned your palate into a complete bushfire last night. Yeah. With the wild tropelle Like utilizing the, the high carbonation in that to just yep. blow you apart.
3: Yeah, with the flavor that you'd actually got from the dish, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, the brisket it was great. Yeah. It was um, it was a beautiful glaze, and it was just it just melted in your mouth. Yeah, mm. perfect pairing that one, I think. Oh. Ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, surprisingly, <laughs> I'm not much of a man for snails,
0: but yeah, the surf and turf the barramundi <laughs> with snails was
3: oh, interesting wow. take on it. Interesting Absolutely take. Absolutely amazing. That no, was great. Is um, you know that the fish was cooked perfectly. Um the snails were just gorgeous. I mean, even if you don't eat snails, you would have eaten those. Yeah. It was yep. just so um, palatable. It um, wasn't offensive. And I think it matched it with the paradox, perhaps. I can't recall, but, yeah. I do have a photo on my phone. Yeah, yeah. It was it was matched with the paradox. And so it, the paradox being a light sour just really sort of cut through a lot of the oiliness of the fish and the and the snails. So, brilliant dish. Yeah. Brilliant.
2: And that's oh. high praise. I know we've spoken um, in the past And you've mentioned uh, about Japan being a big uptake for your beers and being very sensory and food pairing. So huge. I think to hear that, that level of of acclaim for the meal says a lot for last
3: night. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. No, loved it, loved it. And uh, yeah, it's a shame I'm going, but uh, hey, I'll I'll be back in June, I think, for something. Awesome. Stay tuned.
1: (laughs) Great. That's only seven (laughs) and a bit more months Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'll mark that
3: on the next calendar. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So...
2: We should probably mention also that event last night is why Lesky
0: currently sounds the way he does. I, I, I sound amazing. I feel amazing. like... Amazing! <laughs> apart apart from the, the crack in the voice, so it actually sounds like I'm just carrying around a bed all day. This is bedroom voice. Mm. No. I kind <laughs> of I kind of
1: feel like you're carrying around like a, a bag full of blue metal and just gra- dragging it along the ground. <laughs>
0: Are you sure? Yep, or is this just more lurch? <laughs> You're right. I love how, as you said that, your voice broke. Yeah, that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't all be blessed with gra- such gravelly tones like this.
3: No, yeah. that's true. You've got a great face for radio, Lesky. Let's put well, that. <laughs> way, thank you. I can't help it; it's just extremely malleable. Uh,
0: boys, so uh, sitting in front of us right now, we. Have decided to yeah. open up a oh you can't really call it a small bottle, but a bottle of the three Fontan and Cuvee Armand and Gaston. So it is it's a genuine genuine pleasure to have, considering how how little of this actually came over to the country.
2: Ah, uh, it's absolutely delicious. That are uh, kind of capsicumy notes working wonders for me at the moment amazing um, I've, yeah.
3: I've never had it before i've seen it before i've never had the chance to have it and um, wow the soundness is just it's intense it's concentrated and yet it's still clean in and around it yeah um so that's the thing about the old Belgian brews that they've, they've managed to dial in and hone in on on developing soundness of a certain kind in with an intensity that doesn't get cluttered with other things mm. and that's sort of the refinement i think you get from belgium that the new world is 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 looking to achieve yeah yeah. <clears throat> so
0: just on that, do you find that a lot of the newer world styles are being a little too lacto-heavy based on potentially not having, you know, not utilising enough, uh, you know, enough age tops within the beer itself, so there's just a lot more lacto presence rather than getting more, more of the PDO or whatnot that you'd get out of something from Belgium?
3: Um, good question. Um, I haven't had a lot of the new world stuff um, probably not as much as you guys have. Um, but if we, I guess, if we look to the US, who are really punching out a lot of sours, um, I think I was speaking to someone and, and they said 98% of US breweries have a barrel program of some sort, whether it's one barrel wow, or thousands of barrels. So everyone's doing yeah. it over there. Um, some of them are doing it really, really well. Um, now, the guys that are doing it really, really well, yeah, there definitely seems to be. A inclination to make fairly loud beers, mm. um, which is great. So they're really um, giving you an example of the style. Um, and I think it's because it's so young and they're, they're probably at the forefront, even, yep. even in front of us by far. Oh, yeah. um, so I guess they're still experimenting and playing with all these bugs and bacteria and figuring out how far they can go with it. Yeah, where, you know, the Belgians have been doing it for a few years yeah. now. <laughs> just, just a couple. couple. Just yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. So they've had the ability to, I guess, get over that excitement of having a sour beer. And they're like, okay, well now, how do we make this really palatable and succinct so it's an enjoyable beverage that is approachable? Because if you look at this beer we're drinking here, I don't think it's extreme. It's not just for home brewers or for beer enthusiasts. The average person could really enjoy that. Yep. Yeah. It's a great food beer, and it doesn't have to be held in... A realm that's just for the enthusiasts, yeah. And I think a lot of the American stuff coming out at the moment is pretty intense, yeah. And I love it, yeah. Um, but Same. as as that industry matures, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But as the industry matures, that that you know that's going to start to settle down. So I can't wait for that to happen because yeah. that's when they really come into their own, and, yeah. And they're starting and you know they're going to be starting to master their art, which is what these guys in Belgium have done. Have yes. done, yeah.
2: I think some parallels can be drawn between, you know, especially in the American market, which we've said can be quite lacto heavy, yeah. and I fucking love. Um, like some Bobby parallels can be drawn <laughs> between that and and the i p a when that was evolving. you know everybody just went through a stage of of making it as hoppy and as bitter as they can, um and then dialed it back and started to find those that balance and the nuance in flavors absolutely um, absolutely that's, that's the whole
0: point. that's why Pliny the Elder is so highly regarded because the balance on that beer is just everything works in absolute harmony, right whereas you know like you'll get people who will get it, and they're like, Whoa. Yeah, it's well, not what see, they were expecting. The it's, yeah, it's fine. I right. want to travel around the world to have it. You know, we'll
3: yeah. bring that back a second. Well, it's number one or two for a reason, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it is,
2: it's just super balanced. And yeah, yeah. if
3: you're expecting something
2: that's going to tear your face off because it's number one, right? you're going to be really yeah. disappointed.
3: Yeah. yeah, right, right. And, and I think that's, 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 you know, at La Seren, we're not out to make the most extreme sour beer. Um, we probably could make it more sour if we wanted to. Yeah. And we have made examples or there are certain barrels that have really soured up nicely. Um, but releasing it for its level of soundness that's fairly extreme and loud, that's uh, not really our thing. Yeah. Um I, I'm very much inspired by old world Belgium like mm. like this, you know, and like the cantons of the world yeah. where they've managed to just find a, a beautiful um sweet spot where, you know, it's a it's a it's a marriage of flavours and it's a it's just a marriage of experiences that, you know, that, that elevate the average drinking experience. And that's what, that's what we're trying to achieve at La Seren,
2: Speaking know. of that uh, Belgian influence, I have been lucky enough to uh, come and have a few beers in, in your barrel room, which is yeah mind-blowing experience, to be honest. Um, and, and we did talk. We tried a I, – I don't know which one it was. I don't remember exactly which beer, but we tried a cherry sour of some kind. Um, right. And okay. you explained hunting down cherries that if they weren't from the same farm that
3: Cantio and get them from. Yes, yes, um, yes. They were from the same region. Same region. I can't say it's from the same guy, but yeah. same region. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. you had those cold freighted into Australia. We did. We did. And so they come in frozen and uh, they're super expensive and uh, yeah, that when I, when I saw you, Brendan, and when you came to the brewery, uh, how long ago was that? Was that about a year ago? uh yeah it would have been yeah Yeah. about a year yeah so we we have since bottled that beer yeah and it's been sitting in our conditioning room since december last year so we're coming up to a year yeah um because we we bottled the beer and let the natural flora in the barrel create the carbonation so i guess very much uh a spontaneous uh you know, way of carbonating where they, they put it to bottle fairly flat and just let the flora do it you know, do yep. the work without re-dosing yeast and sugar. So we just put it to bottle, forgot about it. We're coming up to a year and it's tasting pretty good. Yeah. And we're gonna release it pretty soon. I think early next year it's gonna be released and uh yeah, we uh definitely send you guys a bottle. Ooh. Yeah, please. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> oh <dear.
2: laughs> it's funny though, and, and when I've talked to people um about you it's character traits like that that make me describe you as very much an artist more than a brewer. Um, And there's lots of brewers who I think get into the industry now and are quite uh, money-focused or production-focused or or whatever, you know. And I'm not talking those things down. They're all part of being a successful brewery. However, I would have got into trouble if I called freighted cherries in from Belgium. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I didn't, but uh, you know,
3: even even my wife, who's who's great and, and amazing, she supports all the crazy stuff that that we wish to partake in. Yeah, whether it's cool ships or whatever, whatever, and putting beer to barrel, and forgetting about it for three years. It doesn't make sense uh, from a money perspective to to do those sorts of things, but. We you know we're definitely not doing it for money. I can assure you that. <laughs> um, we we would have taken a different path early on if we were yeah if we were looking for the business side, but having said that, one day we would love to see all the fruits and 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 the and the crop sort of reap, yeah, uh, so to speak, and, and and to be able to support the family on it. Yeah, you know, and we've been we've been in business since two thousand and ten, um. So we're coming up yeah seven years now. Yeah, um, and things are getting better, but it's a fairly organic process. Um, and it's always been like that for us, and we, we 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 never started out to make money. We wanted to, to do what we really loved and really push the boundaries and take it to a level that we're comfortable with, and I guess be really um, transparent and traditional as much as we can, but put our own twist on things because it's as much of a learning curve as it is for me as it is releasing great beers. Yeah, you know, I'm doing it for the fun of learning and and getting the feedback, um, and that's what really drives me. So, it, you know, long term, we'd love to see it be fruitful, excuse the pun, and okay. um, yeah, and it's heading in that direction, but it's a, it's a real slow burn, these things. Um, it's, not something that, it's not something that can be uh, planned or strategized for on, on any business plan or spreadsheet, I assure you.
2: Well, especially when you're using cool ships and uh, yeah. attractive, attracting native yeast to the area. Um, so were you guys the first ones to do that in Australia? Do you I think? I don't know. Yeah. I th- I'd say you were definitely amongst the...
3: Maybe. I mean, I, I can tell you a little bit of history. In 2010, when we took possession of our current brewery, and Brendan, you've seen our brewery, it's in an old uh, military um, mechanics workshop.
2: Yeah, so you showed uh, me some of the divots out of the ground, which were fascinating, actually. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a beautiful old big tin shed that, you know, t- it's got 10-metre high ceilings, and it's got a big gantry on either side and a big 20-ton crane up up the other end. So, that, you know, the story goes, they used to... Um, store military vehicles there and they would actually um, work on the vehicles, you know, panel beating and, and mechanical. So this big 20-ton crane would come across the gantry to our brewing area. It's a big communal shed. And it would lift up these military vehicles so the mechanics could work on on whatever it is they're doing. Then they'd drop the vehicle on the floor. And that's why I have such an amazing floor. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, Brennan's seen my floor. It is like the Rockies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so, you know, making sure water runs in the right direction is always a bit of a challenge. Uh, but we know the sweet spots as to where to, where to squirt the hose to get <laughs> the water into the drain. So it's one of those things. That is um, a pure art, though, being
0: able to utilise the water in the brewery just to make sure everything gets into the drain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a
3: challenge. So, But, you know, it's character building for us. And, uh, yeah, it's great. So w- when we took possession of that the first week, we got in there, I had our stainless fabricator build me a pilot cool ship. Um, I'm not sure if you ever got to see it, Brendan, but it's now our sanitising trough. So um, anyway, we had this cool ship built with a certain height to diameter ratio. It was only 100 litres, so it was a pilot pilot size. Yeah. And we started to do pilot batches of wort and put it into the cool ship and cool it overnight as, as they would to... Uh, to try and capture some of that natural flora, because that was uh, definitely our vision from the beginning to to make beer with a sense of place, um, and we've now extended that to to talk about making beer with a sense of place and time, because when we're catching microbes, it's at a certain point in time, and uh, at some level, the the you know the climates a certain way, and so that's influencing what we're catching. I suspect um so that's always been our vision so we we got the cool ship built we started catching microbes back in 2010 um and we've been doing it ever since you know uh, we're seven years in now we've caught about 143 isolates of things wow different things um of those 143 isolates we've kept about 13 of them that that's gone into our uh, sort of what we call the culture club um and being a good 80s boy i thought it's it quite uh, fitting uh. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah of, of the 13 that we've kept there's 10 yeast and three lactic acid producing bacteria um so less than 10 percent of what we've caught is actually any good from our perspective yeah and um, i'll tell you a bit about how we do that so we used to catch the microbes in the in the pilot cool ship early days now we catch microbes in the open fermenters all of our saisons are open fermented um, so we have a big open fermenter uh, and it starts there and we keep catching yeast there so we keep catching things even every week and we send it off to an off-site lab and having that off-site lab has sort of been uh, the crux of everything from a yeast perspective because we don't have the resources to have our own lab even though i've got a great microscope and i can do silk cans and whatnot um i'm not a properly trained lab guy so we farm it out to a guy that is um and uh, what we do we send out the sample when we catch it in the cool ship and they'll give me a report back um from the sample going okay we've caught X amount of isolates, whether it's yeast or bacteria. And then we drill down further and we go, okay, does that, that single strain produce any acid? Can it attenuate maltose and maltotriose? Does it produce gas? Um, what does it look like? It's a terminal budding. And from that information, we can determine which ones we want to look at further. And so mm-hmm. we can then ask, okay, you've caught these 12 isolates in this sample. Give me this one pure strain to have a look at. It looks interesting me that pure strain back and then we'll do what we call a performance test on that yeast or bacteria so we have our own shaking incubator and that was the first bit of equipment we ever bought at the brewery um before any stainless was bought we bought a shaking incubator from an old uh carlsberg brewery in denmark wow wow um it's an old school piece of shit, but it still <laughs> works um you know and it cost me a lot of money and my partner at the time was a microbiologist so he was probably more instrumental in pushing for it than i was yeah and I'm so glad he did because um, we use this shaking incubator that controls the agitation, humidity, and temperature. And so we can just dial that in and do a performance test on these single isolates that look interesting. And then we'll do our own sensory analysis when it ferments a bit of work to see, well, can we use this yeast for anything? Is yep. it interesting? Can it um, contribute to, to a flavor profile? Um, and if it does, it then goes into our culture club. So I guess we've, we've geeked out a bit with the whole yeast thing um but we're pretty clear on what we 're trying to achieve, and it 's making beer with that sense of place and to us, making beer with a sense of place means using the local uh microflora that lives in harmony within the brewery yeah and i'm i'm pretty pretty big on that I mean you know lots of people can culture yeast for many things, right you can culture yeast from almost anything, but i don't see w- why we have to do that when we have perfectly good yeast and bacteria living in harmony in our brewery mm. it's right there it 's there for a reason. To me, the, the, you know, the purest expression of making beer with a sense of place is using what you have yep. that's living there. So yeah, we have a lot
0: of, you know, when people talk about wine, a lot of the times,
3: you know, they're talking about
0: terroir. And now, you know, with the, you know, with Belgians obviously initially starting this, but, you know, coming forward, it's becoming more and more prevalent that people are actually, you know, referring to that term within the beer world as well. So it's just really, really exciting to see,
3: you know, what is happening from all of these different local sources. It is, it is. And, you know, terwa in beer is not something that the wine people probably like us using, but... Um, tough coming, luck. Yeah. <laughs> tough luck. Exactly. There's
2: even some old school beer people that don't like us using it. As oh, right. You guys would know we went to a, a talk and he just shat all over it. And oh, saying Tewa's, yeah. you know, it's not true. You give me a recipe and I can brew anything in in any system. My like, fuck, I wish Costa or Hamish or... Mm. You know, somebody was here to just stand up and go,
3: "Fuck you!" He like, here's my recipe. Try and brew it. I mean, I I guess from the wine perspective, terroir refers to the raw materials. So, in a wine's case, it's grapes. Yeah, and you know, even now in this country, we've got people doing estate beers. You know, Um, in Tassie, there's Ash, obviously, and um, Mm -hmm. the guy at uh, at. Van Van Diemen Brewing, he's an estate beer. Wow, okay. From what I've been told, so fantastic. That's true to, our, I guess, in a similar context to wine. Yeah, they grow their own barley. Yeah, grow their own hops. Um, use their local well water. Brilliant. What we're looking at from a terroir perspective is just a micro microbiological impact, and the reason why we think that's important uh, for us is that the single biggest determinant or the flavour determination component in a beer or wine is actually yeast. Yeah. So you won't get the winemakers talking about yeah. yeast, which is funny because mm. it the, has the biggest impact on the end result, yet they never talk about it. And um, to me, I think it needs to be spoken about in the wine industry. Well, they certainly talked about it in the 80s after all the uh, the bread infections. I was yeah.
1: going to say, they talk about yeah. the yeast that they don't want, bread, yeah. but they don't talk about any other yeast. Um, yeah,
3: yeah, no, it's, it's really funny. Like I, I went through wine school and brewing school and in wine school where we're taught very quickly to um, keep brett and other spoilage organisms at bay, you know, so Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, Britannomyces, even Wild Saccharomyces is, you know, we we need to do everything we can to protect the wine against these spoilage organisms. And yet in my current uh, existence, I'm almost inviting these things in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we tend to, you know, rattle the cages a bit when it comes to wine and wine people. But uh, coming from the wine world, we can do that and we have fun with it. And, uh, you know, to me, I think wine and beer... Are so similar, and there's so many similarities, um, and we're definitely trying to explore that. Yeah, I don't
1: think it's by accident that both you and Ash pointed out having like this uh, place of identity or sense of identity, um, and I think that's definitely where the market would like to see more things occurring. I mean, I, I for one would love to, would yeah, love to know more about, or love to consume more beers that really have this um, sense of identity, because as you say, the biggest influencer. And that's what I was going to say, but of course, you're going to say it. Um, you know, yeast is the main flavour profile for a, for a lot of beers. It has the biggest influence over flavour. Um, so if we can start to identify, you know, having a WA, having a WA uh, farmhouse ale or a WA um, cultured beer, yeah. that can be uh, expressive enough that it, that it hopefully one day would be held on the same level as La Serene, but also uh, unique enough where we don't get confused by it.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think providence is what we're all looking for. And mm-hmm. I think the whole food movement is um, heading in that direction. You know, yeah. the artisan movement is really strong and thank God because it's a natural rebellion against industrialization and globalization yep. and Yeah. without getting too um, political about <laughs> it. Um, we very much are of that ethos and you guys are too. And Yeah. Um, it's an undercurrent that can't be stopped. It's it's almost a revolution, and thank God because all we're doing is going back to the way things were. Oh, yeah. There
0: there um, is a certain amount of uh, putting my tin hat on. There is a certain amount of people out there who are trying to curb this at the moment, right? And will okay. continue to try and curb via purchasing and, and whatnot to curb 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 the initial growth. This yeah, growth definitely. Period that we're in is you know it's seen yeah. as a is something to cash in on, and that then ultimately strangle. Well, not, not only
2: that, it devalues other existing brands, which is yeah. probably more important, but... Uh, very sorry for... <laughs> no, 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 fine, Do you want to name names? Go on. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll, let's I'll not. i put my tin hat <laughs> in the bin for dinner. <laughs> <me, for today. laughs> but I, I think that provenance thing is, is super important. So I know, and I mean, going back for years and years in homebrewer circles as well, people had had this conversation about how you know what's a real australian beer you know and, and conversations would take place about what an australian beer could be because we've largely mimicked other stuff from overseas whether it is belgium or or, or america or whatever um but i think the answer is even cooler than what's an australian beer it's is what what is a, a wa beer or a, a southwest wa beer or a out of melbourne beer and and that yeast is like just the most appropriate answer to that
3: question yeah so ab- absolutely you know and I guess we've always uh we've always valued um people that, that produce these these products, whether it's coffee or wine or beer or whatever, that people that I guess are trying to um produce products that, that reflects the personality of their site. Yep. Which is such a wine term, but we are definitely allowed to use it in the rest of the food areas, yep. i assure yeah. you. Um it's not just a wine thing, but I think wine have been the wine industry has been clever enough to Um, use that early on yeah and uh but it 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 really um is appropriate for all food production i think and we're definitely trying to do that that's been a pretty clear vision for us um and it probably leads into where we're heading now which is more spontaneous fermentation i mean that's always been our our goal to spontaneously ferment beer um because again that's the truest reflection of 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 you know sense of place
1: how far do you think uh, La Serene will go with um, full process, so having full control over process. Are you looking at other methods of where you're specifically uh, identifying particular hops or aged hops that you want to use? Are you going to... Are you working with molsters who who you think are going to have the correct grain for you, et cetera, et cetera? Because I know we've seen a lot of um, end-to-end process control, I guess, in, in food, as you said, in, certainly in wine. Um, and I know but there are some... Places in the U.S. who are starting to work more closely with their farmers um, to produce a final product. Will you start to get your own house blend of malt in the future, or is that something that's just not on your not on your radar at the moment?
3: Um, look, I think. I mean, for us, we all get uh, the whole brewing industry gets the malt pretty much from the same place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Australia's malting plants are big, and they're owned by pretty big corporates. Yeah. Um, there are a few little uh, micro-maltsters that have popped up from what I understand. I've seen them on the, on the beer media, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, malt and hops are not such a huge um, considered component in our recipes. Um, they're quite simple. Um, uh, they're fairly neutral from our perspective. Um, we're really, really looking for the yeast and the bacteria to give the character of our beers. So at the moment, it's probably not on my radar to be working with a micro-maltster um, in Victoria. However, that's only because I don't think we have any. Yep. I'm sure if there was one there, I'd be, <laughs> yeah. I'd be knocking on his yeah. door going, hey, let's talk about malt." So um, not because we don't want to, just because probably it's not there. We're not really uh, thinking like that. Um, so ev- even with the hops that we use, um, the hops in our, all of our wild and sour beers are pretty basic hops that we get from a local source. Yep. Sometimes from overseas, sometimes um, locally grown. Um, but again the hops are a, a secondary consideration for us. You Absolutely. know, like when we make a beer, I'm thinking about what yeast do I want to start with or bacteria? And secondly, what malt and thirdly, okay, we have to use a hop, right? It's beer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, if it was like a band Let's the get yeast, to that five the yeast, Ibu. Yeah. <laughs> the yeast would be you know, like the lead singer. So Absolutely. If, if it was in excess, my yeast would be Michael Hutchins. <laughs> well, he certainly had a lot of yeast on him, that's Whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: Uh, <laughs> it, it has been cool to um see you work with some other adjuncts. I know uh, yep. over at Gabs you had your espresso sour, which I mean you saw the condition I was in when we caught up at Gabs. <laughs> I was not feeling great. Yep. Um, yep. and that espresso sour was just an absolute godsend. I when you said it, I was like, I don't understand why he's done this doesn't sound like it's going <laughs> to fucking work and I feel really average so I'm not sure yeah. if I should drink this yeah, oh. I had a taste and I was like can you just give me another full glass please because that was exactly <laughs> what I needed just it, it, tonic. Uh, oh it revitalized me it honestly did um but that combination of sour and coffee which I hadn't seen at mm. that point um was just absolutely amazing
3: yeah look at it's quite funny I think you 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 looked a lot more normal once you left yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> which so still isn't great i was gonna say not yeah.
2: normal you looked a lot more normal
0: yeah, yeah. a lot more like me uh, normally
3: uh, yeah yeah um,
0: like, who's got the next barley one? i'm gonna crush <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it better be fucking barrel aged <laughs> yeah
3: so yeah look um you know for us uh yeah we we, we are you know look like any brewer we'd love to experiment and uh so occasionally we do like to uh you know use different things and coffee's a big one I i love coffee yeah um, we drink a lot of coffee at the brewery. You know, being Melbourneites, I guess it's sort of ingrained yeah. in the culture, and so we're drinking three, four, five coffees a day, and well-made coffees. Yes, yeah, uh, from you know from a local local cafe. Um, so yeah, I I always loved coffee. Coffee has a natural acidity to it, and, and that's what I really love about it. And so yeah, for that, be it, it was you know Gabs is a perfect platform to just experiment and do crazy wacky stuff. So we saw the opportunity to do something a little bit left of center and we always knew coffee would be great in a sour beer just because the acidity so it's a yep. comp- complementary yeah. thing and so we used um a basic malt bill of two or three malts and and some crystal or or roasted barley i think in that beer just to give it a real jet black color and we naturally soured it with one of the bacterial strains that that we've caught so we've caught three lactobacillus strains um and that was i think 003 that strain the third one yeah <laughs> Which is cool, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, sh- I should probably give it a better name, but we haven't gotten there. No, because <laughs> I can't wait till you get the
1: James Bond of lactobacillus, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> 007.
3: Well, I, I think it'll probably be a PDO, and I think we've actually got PDO at the brewery because a couple of times when we've soured a beer, the um, the intensity of the sourness has just been more than previous. So, um, we're trying to figure it out. We we sent it off to the lab. Unfortunately, we don't. We haven't gotten to the point where we can genome test. The yeast or the bacteria, yet. Yep. Uh, we will get to that point. It's just a costly exercise. Yeah, very. Um, I mean, we can send the yeast to Delaware, I believe, and get a test for 100 bucks, they say. Um, when I was in the States this year, um, they were sort of pushing for that. Because um, there's
1: nothing else to do in
3: Delaware. Delaware? Delaware. Delaware. Some nice salams and a, and a Nova Pallone. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, make a sweet out of them. Mm. Delaware. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so. Um, yeah, this, the the espresso sour, great beer. I love that beer. We're gonna make it again. It's it was, it's low alcohol. It's all about the sourness, um, and yeah, sourness and coffee for me are a natural pairing. I don't see why we well, don't see more of it. To be right, honest, it was yeah. it was just like a like a cold brew nitro coffee tonic. Yeah, yeah well and it said. Was it's yeah, exactly was what, what it was like. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well so said.
0: So speaking of which, you've actually got yeah, couple of, uh, collaborated recently with Seven yeah, I know.
3: Seeds. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Look, we've done a lot lately. It's been uh just uh. Just one of those things where, you know, we've we've played and we're playing more and more and we're not – there's no structure to it. It's quite organic. Um, you know, for us, we, we want to work with people that are like-minded but people that we connect with. So when we get we get asked to do some collaboration sometimes and uh, you can sort of see it's more about the marketing side of it and it's fine. Mm-hmm. It has its place. But if that's the primary objective, that's we're probably not the right people for that because yep, to yep. me, when I do a collaboration, I, I want – if me and Leske are doing a collaboration, I expect him to be there with me on brew day Sorry and on, and I'm on packaging. I'm off my seat right now. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say. On, is and on packaging day um <laughs> and on labeling. So I want him to be literally part of every process so yep. you can truly say he collaborated at a real level. Um So, yeah, so the Seven Seeds guys was great because they came to us and said, oh, look, we've done a, a coffee beer before with another great craft brewery. Yep. Um uh, but it was on a dark beer, and we just thought that was a little bit obvious and boring. Um, can we do something with you that's a bit more interesting? And I went, wow, that's interesting. That's you know, that just made my mind sort of go in a different direction. So I went, oh well, sure. Let's you know, let's 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 explore how coffee can work in other styles of beer, other than a, a dark beer. Yeah. Um. So we we went into their roasting plant, and their roasting plant is second to none. It's just they're at the forefront of what they're doing. These guys. And we did a, a full cupping session, which is a great experience. Um, Sounds great. Yeah. It's awesome. Have you guys ever done a cupping session? No. At a not in that plant? sense. Um, it is uh, uh-huh. pretty amazing. And, and, you know, we, we these guys are, are direct trade buyers. So they go to South America weekly with cool. someone there. Wow. Liaising with the farmers, buying the beans direct from the plant, from the factory. Well, from the farm, rather. These, yep. these places don't have factories. They're farmed. And they're literally imported straight to these guys. So for that beer i think it was the seven sirens yeah um we used the coffee from honduras from one single uh, farm wow and we did multiple infusions and so we got to explore different techniques of using coffee in beer hot side and cold side um uh, and they loved it and we did it on the base of a, a hybrid red ale similar to our farmhouse red with a few little recipe tweaks to let the coffee shine uh, but if you do get to drink that beer I think it's at Caboose, actually. I've got a keg of it as well. So. Oh, fantastic. Great.
0: I'm hopefully going to just smuggle that home without anybody knowing. <laughs> <laughs> and then being wired
3: awake by drinking yeah. coffee. Oh, mate. <laughs> yeah, okay. and, and, and I do have to say, be careful with that beer because when we launched it in Melbourne at the Lincoln Hotel, we had about 50, 60 people and everyone was ordering pints of this thing. No. And this thing has so much coffee that it's... Uh, yeah, we, we just have to be careful with smashing pints of this stuff because yeah. uh, by the end of it, you're charging. I mean, by the end of it, People were just chatting for hours. <laughs> there was just an intensity yeah. in the room. And I know that was because of the alcohol-caffeine combination. So. You just end up on a completely different wavelength. Oh, and, yeah. And you can just like,
0: I've had so much caffeine, I can tell you next week's lot of numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but, um, I mean, the thing also with the, with the caffeine, we, we weren't sure how to measure how much coffee's in there. Yeah. And even the Seven Seeds guys had no idea. So just be aware, Like um, I guess as a disclaimer, make sure you drink it in small volumes. And enjoy it, savour oh, it. I'm sure none of us are going to do that. We're going to um. have the same problem the guys at the
2: pub did. Hey, I'm looking at a person right now who does wintry beers
0: extremely well. Yeah. You are going to absolutely. As soon as you tap buzz. that, we're going to be
2: texting each other at like one o'clock in the morning going, Oh, I really think this beer is really good. Yeah. Do you think it's good? <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, well, well, the coffee's really works. Works really well.
0: <laughs> I'm on well, my third leader. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Which I'm looking forward to.
0: Far out. Um, so. Considering, you know, we've talked a lot about wine, so where you actually started off, you were a winemaker for quite some time as well?
3: No, um, yes I was, but only briefly. Only Sorry, briefly? A couple of okay. years, so I wouldn't call that uh, a long time. Um, I was born in Adelaide um, in the McLaren region. I used to work in McLaren Vale a lot. I thought I was destined to work in the vineyards when I was young. Um, I used to work for a farmer actually when I was young, and we used to set up a lot of the vineyards that are now in McLaren Vale. So we used to work for uh, Tatura and these great wineries. We used to set up all their vineyards from scratch, do the irrigation. It was great. So I thought I was destined to do viticultural wine, you know. And so naturally, I went to wine school. I went to Roseworthy, which is no longer around. Um, studied winemaking. Um, then moved to Melbourne and worked at uh, briefly in Geelong at a winery, and then I worked for two vintages at a great winery called Bass Phillip which is uh, run by uh, an iconic uh, wine guy called Philip Jones. He's a great guy, uh, very minimal interventionist, you know, uh, biodynamic, a uh, little bit kooky, a little bit esoteric, <laughs> right at yeah. my alley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I really bonded with what he was doing in wine. But um, I loved wine and I love making wine. I will always make wine every year, even just for the family. But there was a lot of creativity that I had inside that uh, that wasn't being expressed. And as a winemaker, you get a chance to make wine once a year. So building up all this creativity and opportunity to make something once a year for two or three weeks just uh, wasn't really my, my jam, I guess. Mm. And so I wanted to experiment a lot more and explore a lot more. And um, so I went back to brewing school at the Federation University, which is a great brewing course. And continued study through the World Brewing Academy in Chicago, so um, I went and got, the, um, I guess, all the theory that I needed to start La Seren, Um and uh, here we are. So that's that's my progression from wine to beer. Um, I, I think I should have known that my heart was in beer when during wine school, me and my business partner, who was also studying winemaking with me, he was a you know a fellow student. We'd skip a lot of the classes and go to the bar and drink great, <laughs> great Belgian beers. You know, so so we'd skip that and go to the city and yeah, you know, go drink great, amazing Belgian style beers. You know, Duvel was, was one of the first beers that I had. Yeah, that really blew, you know, blew my mind. And um, we'd go drink these great beers and go, wow, these beers are great. So I should have clicked back then, but I didn't. It took me a, I went the long way around. Um, but here we are, and uh, I think having some experience in wine, without question, has shaped where Lustre is today. Without question.
0: It's just in terms of acidity, you know, like uh, having a really good wine, you do have a good backbone of acidity in there. And, you know, it's really, really quite high considering. And then, you know, coming into beer, like the beers that
3: we're drinking right now, you know, there is a real, like, definite bridge between the two. Mm. So, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's where beer and wine are quite similar. The winemakers won't say it, but as a brewer, I'll say it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Because uh, acidity is very often talked about in in wine, and it's you know it's even listed on a, on a lot of the wine labels itself. Whereas yeah. in, in beer, it's just like, you know, obviously not not in uh, the beers that you brew, but for ninety nine percent of the other breweries out there. It's a very if you've got acidity into your beer, you've done something wrong. Or
3: yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's, it's quite funny. I mean, to me, acidity is just um, something that that really uh, elevates a flavor profile and really makes something vibrant. So. Yeah. For us, um, sourness or acidity in beer was, was quite a natural um, expectation or, or objective. Yeah. Um, how we get that acidity is really important in making sure that, uh, from our perspective, that we use our own indigenous bacteria. Um, not to say that the stuff out of a lab isn't great. It's probably more pure than I can ever get. Uh, we have used the bacterial lab strain a few times in the early days. But the indigenous bacteria that we found at Las Seren, something about it, I don't know how to describe there's an intensity of the sourness that I can almost recognise. Yeah, right. Not quite, maybe, maybe it's just in my head, but it just gives me a better intensity, I, I, I feel. Yeah.
1: yeah. So more, more getting back to that, you know, mm. uh, locally cultured, uh, locally identified yeast strains.
2: Right, we're going to wrap it up there because um, we need to get you to the airport shortly. Um, so, thank you very much. much for coming on. Pleasure. Now, um, yeah. pleasure. Absolutely fantastic. We're super grateful. I feel we've only sort of started with this. Oh, we uh, definitely yeah. have. Yeah. If yeah. you let us go, we would go for another <laughs> hour at I could, least. I could be here all hour. day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've
0: got a huge knob of cheese in the yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> We could be here for a long time. <laughs> and, and and what an amazing beer. Oh. You cracked Lesky. Thank you. I mean, I've it's, never tried this. It's, um, you know, again, just the refinement of the acidity in that is. Stella, I mean, well, we still actually have about an inch and a half left in the bottle. Ooh.
0: Count Whether me or not out. That's being yeah. cultured or not? <laughs> Count me out.
3: Count cool beans. That's
0: going directly into a starter as soon as I finish work. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. So look, look. Thanks for having us on, and more importantly, I, I want to thank everyone in WA because WA has always been a strong supporter for La Seren. and uh, we we love that, and we love coming here. And everyone's so down to earth here. It's just, it's great. It's just seamless. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you very thanks. much, uh, thanks
2: for listening to another episode of Beer Sucks. Um, I'm Brendan.
0: I'm Gravel mouth.
1: <laughs> I'm the reason why you never work with animals.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jesse. And
2: see
3: you soon. WA's always been a strong supporter for La Seren and. Uh, we we love that and we love coming here and everyone's so down to earth here it's just it's great it's just seamless so thank you awesome thank you very thanks, much
2: uh, thanks for listening to another episode of beer sucks um, I'm Brendan I'm gravel mouth
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm the reason why you never work with animals
2: uh, yeah <laughs> uh, thanks jesse yeah. and please